everyone. I'm Dr. Yosefa Fogel-Rubel, and this is One-on-One Women Talk Torah, a series brought to you by Matan Women's Institute for Torah Study. Welcome back to Matan's One-on-One podcast, where we spend 30 minutes speaking about a seminal figure or idea on that week's Parsha. Join us at Matan Jerusalem's branch on Oshana Rabbi evening for a moving learning experience. Rabbinit Rachel Shbecher Frankel, Dr. Yael Ziegler, and Rabbinit Shani Terrigan on Motzei Shabbat, the 20th of Tishrei, October 15th. The evening has been dedicated in memory of Yair Mordechai by his widow and Matan student, Iria Mordechai. It's not too late to register for yearly classes. Check out the Matan website for all relevant information. Today's episode is dedicated in memory of Moshe Bina, son of today's esteemed guest, who passed away one year ago. If you would like to sponsor a podcast episode in honor or memory of a loved one, please contact the Matan office via telephone or email us at podcast at matan.org.il. That's podcast at matan.org.il. Parshat Vezotah Bracha closes the entire Torah. It opens with the blessing or predictions bestowed by Moshe unto the tribes of Israel. While the content reflects the tribal realities in conquered Israel, the address is made to each tribe by their ancestral name, Dan, Asher, thus making it seem as if Moshe is addressing each child as Yaakov did in the end of Sefer Breshit. The Parsha then recounts Moshe's passing on Harnavo, the details of which have already been rehearsed two chapters prior. It is as if Moshe was already ready to exit, but interrupted this finale to powerfully address his proverbial children. The Torah closes with a moving description of how essential and unique Moshe's role as leader was and always will be. Today I have the honor of closing the final Chumash with Rabbinit Malkabina. Rabbinit Malkabina founded Matan in 1988 and served as Chancellor for 33 years. She has now taken on the role of President and she continues to guide Matan's growth and development. Rabbinit Bina is a visionary and is widely recognized for her revolutionary work in advanced Torah learning for women. She has won numerous prestigious awards, including being decorated as Yekirat Yerushalayim, Worthy Citizen of Jerusalem, in 2021, and receiving an honorary doctorate from Bar-Ilan University in 2022. Rabbinit Bina, it is a pleasure to have you here today. It's a pleasure to be here, Yosefa. We last met many, many, many episodes ago where you spoke about your, your journey coming into the world of learning and of establishing... Matan, and I think that it's really fitting that we're going to finish the the Parshio together today. So thanks for being here. Right. I'd say I also thought so. Like, sometimes beginnings are good, but endings are also important. Yeah, totally. So take us into the point of this week's Parsha that you want to illuminate for us today. Maybe I'll just one minute say something about Moshe. Yes. He was our firstborn, our Bechor. He guided us into becoming parents. Uh, but I don't want to talk about the overall picture of my son. Just mention, as this is a podcast, a sheer, kind of mini sheer, his dedication, devotion, love of Torah learning, both Gemara and Tanakh. He enjoyed the um, parshanut of Rav Shimshon Falhirsch, uh, but also Hasidic parshanut. He finished the, he did a siyum hashas. Three years after the Dafayomi finished, like he kind of didn't, uh, didn't, uh, wasn't able to keep up with the pace, but he did it. He had, he made himself a, a goal, and he did it. And also, I just want to mention, as a mother, every once in a while, I would write a short Dvar Torah, I would send to the students at Matan or to friends, and uh, he would be on my list, and I would send it to him. And when I heard back from him, nice thought, Ima, beautiful idea. 
it was just a very wonderful feeling uh, getting this a stamp of approval from your child. So, uh, you know, I'm mentioning to all the children that uh, when their parents... Uh, you know, do something that they connect to, obviously, uh, and it's nice uh, hearing from the children. And so Moshe was that showed a certain thoughtfulness and connection. We enjoyed discussing uh, themes in Torah. I will just say that I think also as we close the Torah, the Torah is a hora'ah, it's an instruction, and the Torah is made to be passed on to future generations. That's how the system is built, and so I think that that's a beautiful memory to be shared as we think about, as we close the Torah, and in our minds at least think about how we pass that on to, to all the generations after. So thank you for that memory. Uh, Yosef, you said something that Moshe addresses his sons. Addresses, I might say addresses and blesses. Mm-hmm. It is called Zota Bracha, right in the beginning, I think twice the word the, the Baruch is used. And actually, I made like a hasty comparison between Yaakov's, the blessings there, and, and the, the blessings of Moshe. And there's more usage of Baruch. First of all, there isn't chastisement as, as Yaakov gave. It's like preparing them to enter Eretz Yisrael, talking about it. And, and in, in three or four of the, the, the Shvatim, the different Shvatim, four or five even, the word Baruch comes in, whereas in Yaakov, it's, I think, only when in Yosef. So somehow, I think Moshe, even though Chumash Tvarim is heavy on chastisement and rebuke and punishment, uh, he wants the end to be a blessing. Totally. Uh, I saw that as something also very special uh, in, in Moshe, and that somehow after he blesses his children, he, he's ready to step up to, uh, to Har Navo, where that's what we're told in the last parak. He steps up, and this is where Hashem shows him Eretz Yisrael, uh, kind of going from north to south, if you descri- a little bit of a description there. And then the last words, I found it so uh, poignant, uh, the last words that, so to speak, before maybe Moshe writes, or it's, it's hard to know, it's a lot of discussion there. Ibn Ezra actually says already from Pasuk Aleph, Moshe didn't write, but he writes in Pasuk Hey. ויאמר השם אליו, זאת הארץ אשר נשבעתי לאברהם, ליצחק וליעקב, לאמור לזרעך אתננה, הריתיך בעיניך, שמה לא תבוא. There you will not pass, you will not come. That those are the last words, you're not going to go, something that he's been preparing for and hoping for, although he knows he's not. But that's kind of that, those final words. And then it took me back to Avraham, who the first words recorded in the Torah to Avraham are lech lecha. And the last words kind of spoken to Moshe, shamalo tavor, like it, it's, it made me somehow feel, uh, uh, you know, as if, if I were Moshe, what would I hear, what would I think? I mean, I am gonna, just about to, to give my neshama, and I know, but, you know, kind of God, <laughs> I love it, God reinforced that point again, that somehow this is a kachak zeralefanai, almost with Rabbi Akiva, that, that this is what has to be, Moshe, and you know, they're going to come to Eretz Yisrael. You bless them about the different places and uh, different lands in Eretz Yisrael and how they, you know. But somehow you will have to already ascend to Shemayim here and not go in with them. I think that if you take that comparison of Avraham to Moshe, I think that maybe this is a, a negative perspective on the Torah, but I think it might just be realistic, which is that the point of Torah and definitely halacha later on is to create boundaries. And so on one hand, we want people to go forth 
and to grow and to fulfill big missions. On the other hand, the function of the Torah is also to place boundaries in places where it's no longer correct and in the right place. And so when we end the Torah, as you said, on a high, like we're on a high here, and the brachot and and, and the, the death of Moshe, which it almost feels celebratory, by the way. I don't feel like we end the Torah. Maybe this is just my perspective. I don't feel like we end the Torah, sadly, from his death. I feel like it's a kind of death that's celebratory. No, We've been preparing the, for it. Exactly. Yeah. We've been preparing for it. And then we, we discuss how special Moshe is. But that the emphasis, as you're saying, on the fact that he won't go into Eretz Yisrael, to me, sort of embodies what Torah life is. It's a life that says dream big, but also know that there are limitations that we're going to place on you. Yeah, no, accepted. And and, and then it, it, these are not the final words of the Torah. There's still right. another eight psukim, which I would say eulogize Moshe. That's an excellent yeah. description of them. They really yeah. are. And I don't think I ever thought about it in that word, but that's beautiful. It's really a eulogy for that's, Moshe. Yeah, that's the feeling that, totally. that I got in, in uh, reading those psukim. Once I went back to Avraham, I also thought that in the same, uh, in Zotah Bracha, where it discusses uh, Moshe's not going into, you know, the different the different parts of Eretz Yisrael, Moshe's not going into there, and it's preceded by the Bracha. What we have in Avraham is the other order, that Avraham's told to go to Eretz Yisrael, and immediately there are three psukim of Bracha. There's also, somehow, Eretz Yisrael is, is connected with the bracha, whether you come or not, whether you go or not, like, like Abraham, right away, lech lech and then the next two psukim, there are about five, six times, different brachot that are given to Abraham. And here, Moshe gives the brachot to the shvatim, knows that they're going to go, I think, you know, to Am Yisrael. Mm-hmm. Yaakov gave it to sons, but here Moshe gives it to Am Yisrael, and uh, knowing that they're going to go into Eretz Yisrael with that bracha, that he's uh, giving. You're saying they're kind of like chiastic bookends. If you start the Torah really from Avraham, which is an interesting proposition, by the way, because the first okay. 11 chapters of the Torah really are their own unit. And in certain ways, the Torah, as it relates to Am Yisrael, does start in chapter 12 of Breshit with Avraham. I think that that's a beautiful way of looking at it, that there are these chiastic bookends of, of the correlation between the entry on the scene and the brachot and the brachot and then the exit from the scene of the Torah. Okay, so we're going to now look at, at the eulogy that's given for Moshe. Right. So first, the you know just the more the facts of um, of uh, Moshe going up and the burial and the uh, the mourning period, and I think most significant um, and 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 also the that Moshe placed his hands and and uh, inaugurated uh, Yoshua for the task. Uh, there's, I think these five sukim are a little bit more technical on the more technical side of the continuation, continuity, right? And the last three psukim are really the psukim of, of more specific espade for Moshe. Lokam navi od Israel ki Moshe, asher Adonai panim el panim. Right? There didn't arise another prophet in Israel such as Moshe, uh, that God, now this is very interesting, yida'o. Singled him out, um, intimately knew him intimate, right, mm-hmm. right, right. And it doesn't even use the word speaking. Was intimate with him, close to him. It knew him well, kaha, and um, was intimate with him face to face. And that's like you know, we're now face to face, Yosefa. You know, kind of looking. And it, it's there's a, there's a certain there's a closeness. There's but here Rashi even says uh, the bogus like his his. 
His, with, with somebody else, this may not have been proper that Moshe could any time turn to God, that he was like on, on such familiar palsy-walsy, we used to say, uh, terms with, uh, with God. But, but that's what it was. That's what it was. He had developed this uh, relationship this uh, with God up in Shemayim, uh, in the earth, uh, God singling him out, that the burning bush, like somehow, uh, like God singled him out. God was intimate with him. It wasn't, you know, and then, and then Moshe realized it, and he almost uh, took liberties a bit. You know, Libo Gus is a little bit, Gus is a little bit negative, you know, yeah. in a sense. But I don't think Rashi wants, means it that way, or the Midrash. But he was, because of this familiarity, um, he was able to turn to God when, when he wanted or needed. I think it's also interesting that it says Panim El Panim, face to face, because we know that when Moshe asks God to see his, his face, God tells him no. no. So there's this moment here at the end where we sort of feel like, ah, it's giving some extra credit to Moshe that right. he really did. Right. He, maybe it wasn't exactly the intimacy that he had ultimately wanted, but he had the, the greatest level of intimacy with God that anybody could ever achieve, even if God denied a particular request of his. Right. And I think, you know, there's always um, many see the panim as the panim, right? Like somehow internally they connected. There was something as high as a human being could be in a divine way, right? We're still, we're in a body. In a human way. In, right, in, in a human way. Mm -hmm. But as high of a divinity within a, a human can be, yeah. right, right, within a human uh, frame. Mm -hmm. uh, so Moshe was able to reach that, and then he was somehow panim el panim, that Moshe's kind of inner self was somehow very closely connected to God, and they could speak um, intimately. And this was all necessary because necessary and it was just a relationship that developed. And then when, when God saw what, what Moshe was able to do, he realized that now this is a time that we can uh, bring on the two um, really uh, um, history-changing events for, uh, for, for the world and for B'nai Yisrael, right, of Yitziat Mitzrayim and Matan Torah, and there was this, this, this bond of intimacy and this uh, level of prophecy and connection to God that Moshe was able to reach, enabled him for, to do all the signs and uh, miracles uh, that to, to in, in, in Egypt and take the, in the, the whole land. And there's a, there's a lot of also lechol, if you, if you know, lechol ha'utot v'motim, the paro lechol avodav, lechol ha'tzo. And then they call Israel six times in, mm -hmm. in these two psukim that, you know, we always think of God as all encompassing, omnipotent, all consuming, all knowing. But I think it's, uh, it's telling us that this panim el panim, that somehow Moshe also had this ability to connect into God and to, like, to take three million people out of Egypt. And, and this was a strong land. It was the top of the culture and everything that was going on in Egypt and that he was able to do, to bring the, the miracles and the signs and, and, and get Parot to somehow, you know, against his will kind of, but, but at some point that, that they were, he was able to orchestrate the leaving um, uh, of, of B'nai Israel from Mitzrayim. And then, and then the, the Yad HaChazakah and Moragadol that most commentaries understand as, uh, as Matan Torah, 
Uh, and doing all this, like this, and the first pasuk we're talking about the Egyptians, you know, going and facing the Egyptians, even though right he was he didn't have the the ability of speech and whatever you know, but but somehow he found it. He found the he found this uh, speech maybe through this intimacy with God. He, he felt stronger and felt more confident. And and then and then the, the next pasuk is Ulene Kol Yisrael. Like it's not you know, but he had to he had to first face the world, face the Egyptians. Give them the message, bring the Jews out of that the the pagan and the 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 uh, under the subservience of Egypt and slavery, and then to be able to to with the Yad Hazakah, the Morah Gadol, if we want to see this as the uh, great uh, uh, the great wonder and the the awesomeness of Matan Torah uh, that that Moshe was able to do bring in front of, uh, before all of B'nai Israel. So you're, if I understand you correctly, you're sort of looking at these psukim as a sort of, there's a flow. First it speaks about the, the spiritual status of Moshe, and then it moves to his abilities that developed over time in the land of Egypt and to partner with God in those historical events. But then ultimately, of course, most of his energies end up getting um, sort of filtered back towards Am Yisrael in order to create, take that divinity that is both his and God's, of course, to bring it to Am Yisrael and to engender that that trust and that connection that he has with God also to be a conduit for that with the people. So there's sort of that going from the outside and then bringing it back in to Am Yisrael. I think that that's a very beautiful reading of these psukim. I wanted to bring my connection to the Svatimet. You know, after finishing my formal learning, I wanted to continue with Gemara. I felt I didn't have enough uh, formal learning Gemara, and uh, while raising my children, my my time, my time in the evenings, I really dedicated to to learning, to learning, and then afterwards teaching a bit uh, of um, Talmud. But at, at a certain point, maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, um, I, I continued my study of Talmud, but I, I felt something in my neshama needed a little bit more nurturing, and I wasn't getting it from the Talmud. Talmud was maybe it was more uh, a cognitive, um, you know, the intellectual, rational, which I also need, uh, and I, and th- those needs are met by my study of Talmud. But I felt I needed something that could go more directly to the neshama, and I discovered this Fatimet. Svatimet um, is a um, also a, a clear thinker. He has books on the Gemara as well, um, and and it's not a musary kind of tone, which always um, somehow bothered me a bit. Um, but but uh, just understanding what's happening and and speaking speaking to the person and and giving bigger ideas, but not you have to do this or you should believe this, but you know letting it leaving it open and then and you decide. Uh, you know how how you where you want to take this. I'll just add that the Sfat Amit, which what often happens that people get called by the name of their best their best known work, was uh, Rav Yehuda Aryeh Leib Alter, uh, who was born in 1847 and died in 1905. Uh, he was a Hasidic rabbi who succeeded his his grandfather uh, as the Av Beit Din. Uh, in in Poland, in a town known as the town of Ger, um, so that's a, a location known to to some of us. 
Uh, he it's right was, near Warsaw. I was there. Yeah, in the yeah. It's right by Warsaw. He was orphaned by by both of his parents, and he was really brought up by his grandparents. Uh, his grandfather, who was also usually known as the Chidushe Harim, but was Rabbi Yitzchak Meir Alter. I'll just add one other interesting fact, that when he was 10 years old, his grandfather took him to visit the Kutzker Rebbe, and that left a very, very big uh, impression of him. And his works that are all entitled the Sfat Amet, they deal with Talmud and, and ethics of the Midrash, and, and of course his commentary on the Torah is actually the one that is that is most known. So a little bit more background to who, to who the Sfat Amet was. And I also will say, Rabbi Bina, that the Svatamet is sort of classically one of the most beloved Hasidic works. It's a modern Hasidic work. It's it's not old at all. It's one of the most beloved Hasidic works. Classically in Yeshivot, it was one that was taught of all the Hasidic works out there and non-Hasidic Yeshivas. For some reason, the Svatamet was the one that often made it in there. So it's definitely in all of my like Hebrew-speaking circles. The Svatamet always comes up. Uh, I myself rarely uh, end up opening it up, but I was... Uh, please be able to do that for this episode. Yeah. So, yeah. One short story yeah. um, that, that I heard about the Rav Kook, uh, Zatzal. Uh, wherever he went, he had a, he had this Fatimet with him. Hmm. If he had a few minutes extra to study, I would look at this Fatimet, and he was invited to Shabbat, uh, to uh, a, a town in the Tel Aviv area. Um, all of a sudden, he looks, he checks his um, uh, his his, ba- his luggage, his baggage, and there's no Svatimet. They were already in Mivaseret, and he asked them to return because he didn't want to be Shabbat without the without the Svatimet. So just from uh, also from uh, wow. from Rav Cook, you said many yes, uh, and I also I found uh, I found great wisdom uh, uh, in his uh, teachings. Now here, what he's doing a little bit acrobatic. Uh, we all we all know that the um, uh, we we right away on Simchat Torah we finish Leinei Chol uh, Yisrael and then Bereshit Bara Elokim. So he kind of connects the these like almost makes a pasuk out of the end of the Torah uh, and the beginning of the Torah, and he wants to what, what are the messages? What 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 can in in doing this acrobatic uh, kind of taking that that license and playing around with the text a bit what can he what what ideas are behind it and what does he see to to let us uh, to let us share with him you know deeper thoughts that he has um, and he in in his first in the first passage he starts with the last words of the Torah the last uh, seven eight words and all this great awesomeness um, it, we use the word fear, but it's a fear of um, reverential respect um, combined with fear, wonder, wonderment. You know that uh, that that Moshe did before before uh, Bnei Israel. Now, what it, it, this idea of of Yirat Hashem, of Yirah, of of this uh, awesomeness that Moshe is doing, like he's doing things to bring this awesomeness. And and the Svatamet connects this this awesomeness and, and doing the Moshe doing things for for this in connection with this awesomeness and bringing about the awesomeness also that to Bereshit Bara to God's creating the world and God's creating the world also for this purpose right but that that God's creating the world he he cites the um, the Svatamet cites a pasuk from uh, from Kohelet. God did everything. He created the whole world so that people will uh, have this awesomeness, um, wonderment, uh, fear, like, but a, a respectful fear, mm-hmm. a, a fear of what? An awe. An awe, a awe of, uh, right, in, in, uh, um, before God. 
and seeing this as as something that 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 one of the one of the um, uh, purposes of creation that people kind of connect with God and and sense the wonderment. Now, I, I you know, just to get in there, in the, the Rambam talks a little bit about it, um, that, that uh, it, it, first of all, the, the Svatimet mentions that this, the Moragadol, how can Moshe do it? How can Moshe do it? He does it through Matan Torah. And it, it has to come through Matan Torah. But, but Matan Torah isn't the, the full end isn't the full end we want matan Torah to bring to bring this emotional feeling of of um of awe of um amazement of yirati romamut like an uplifting fear an uplifting awesomeness that we feel connecting us to god and and i thought the best way it's like a an analogy but uh we go to we try to go to uh, to switzerland uh and i remember the first time it was just Breathtaking, mind-boggling. You you just you couldn't do anything else other than think about how beautiful this is. Marabu Masecha Hashem. And I think like that that the idea is when we learn Torah, when Moshe gave the Torah to B'nai Israel, to bring them to this feeling of an, an uplifting and inspirational that uh, they, such a reverence for God that could bring the Torah down to earth, that the brilliance of the Torah, the all-encompassing element of God, also all the fire and the trembling, and there is also this sense of wonderment, and that we have to keep with us. It's like Moshe worked on this, on bringing this, and there's also a pasuk, Leman Yeratoya in Shemot, after Moshe gives the Ten Commandments, Leman Yerato al Pnechem. Right, he tells Bnei Israel because Bnei Israel are scared. He says, "You're right. You're mm-hmm. right. Hashem gave. Right. Don't don't be so worried about it. It's okay. It's okay to have have this little awesomeness of God. He is great. He is all encompassing. He is omnipotent. You know. So you feel this sense, this breathtaking, this stop the world. You know, uh, kind of feeling. Fine. Wonderful. And it, it, this this type of yirata romamut that you you have a respect and an admiration, emotional connection, reverential, awesome, you know, to, to God is is a wonderful feeling. I think that the Svatamet in as you said, he's sort of doing a, a literary reading. He's saying, How do people hear it? People hear these sukim as one connecting the other. And I think that what he's doing here is that when you open up the Torah, there's no explanation why. And it just says that God created the world. So you have to ask yourself, why did he go about on this adventure? But he's saying that if you listen to the way that we read, which connects this pasuk and and the next one, then you figure out why God made the world. I'm just sort of trying to figure out the methodology of what he's doing. Is that he says, well, it just says here, And so he says that the whole point of why God created the world, and I, I am agreeing and emphasizing that the Ramban says the same thing in his own way on his on his commentary in on the creation story. But here he's saying is that you can also just see it from the Psukim themselves, that the reason God creates the world is so that we will have this this awe-filled relationship with God. Right. And you get that when you read them. Right. It, right. As a flow. Now, what's brilliant here? Let's see if you if you hopped it, Yosefa. I'm in a fahert. Yeah, yeah, yeah in a fahert. The word bereshit. Did you see what he did with the word bereshit? Okay, you okay. you bring it out. Yeah. Okay, bereshit. He says is uh, so. We're talking about this yirah, 
And it's not the low level of fear of just fear of punishment or fear of genome or fear of a wild animal, but it's really this awe-filled fear of, of God, knowing the, 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 um, the omnipotence of God. Uh, and, and that's in, that's this, the, he brings it, this is from the Zohar, from the Kabbalah. It's the eighth level of Yirah. And that Yirah is called Yirei Yud Resh Aleph Boshet. Um, like total, total uh, humility, total shame, total I'm nothing compared to what God can do. Uh, and if we take those six letters, that's Bereshit. That's Bereshit. Bereshit is, is incorporates within it the, the purpose of why God is at the beginning, uh, why, why God is creating the world. And, and it's, it's, he finds it uh, through the Zohar, he finds it already within the word Bereshit of Yerei Boshet and Yerei Shabbat. Shabbat is also when I said, like, stop the world, breathtaking. You just... Wow, wow, God, wow, he gave us this Torah. Wow, the Pasu can say three different things and 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 it's they're wonderful. And wow, there's Torah Shabbat, like like this sense of, of wonderment and amazement at at God's um, giving us of the Torah and 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 the world uh, together to you know at the, to both of them. Yeah. It's interesting because we mentioned in the beginning of our conversation that there's something about this, both the eulogy of Moshe, which clearly describes him as the greatest human that ever was, um, but that it also reminds you that he has a limit and that he couldn't go into Eretz Yisrael, that it's interesting that the Sfat Emet ultimately is saying that the purpose of creation or of bringing the world into existence and then bringing us into, the, into existence is ultimately to remember our place. Meaning, ultimately, why we're supposed to be here is to, when I hear Yireh Boshet, I think of, it means you have to remember your place in front of God. That God God does X, The those who are God's servants, or even his greatest servant, has a role, but that we, regular people, have to remember what our place is in the world. So it sort of connects for me back to that, the duality of how Moshe is presented as both both being the greatest human that ever was, and yet he himself also had a tremendous limitation that marked uh, that marked the end of his life. So it's inter- it's, it's just a very powerful piece about how you open up the Torah and what you're supposed to see is, wow, God made this whole thing. I'm very, very small in comparison to what God does. I get brought in, you know, a number of days later. He's already he's already been busy for days creating things. Uh, so that's sort of a piece that, that was coming up for me as you were explaining uh, that second passage of his. Yeah, no, and I and also what what I liked when you know kind of things click and like that already taking this uh, kabbalistic interpretation of bereshit, including this uh, special uh, this human fear of God, the boshet, and at the end of the Torah, one of the last words is morah gadol, that that also Moshe was able to also Moshe was able to um, collaborate with God. In bringing this um, this special year of wonderment of awesomeness of God uh, into the world, and then in the second passage, he doesn't start with the Mora. If you look at the passage, it starts with Asher Asa Moshe Leinei Kol Yisrael, things that Moshe did. Now it's very interesting because it uses Asa, and it doesn't use Diber. It's really, you know, all through the Torah, although the Asa with the Mishkan, it's not there, there are plenty of times Asa, but, but the end is this sense of Moshe doing, accomplishing, almost the Bereshit Bara, you know, and there here's the Moshe Asa, like they both, God created things, Moshe did, 
as you emphasize the vayas, the doing versus the speaking, it brought up two thoughts. One is going back to this idea that Moshe himself claimed not to be a man of words. So it's sort of meaning that ultimately we're going to monumentalize what he does over what he says. And the other piece is, is just a human nature piece, which is that ultimately the actions that people perform leave much more of an impact in the things that they say, right? There's that, right, that phrase about raising children that we say to children, you know, don't do what I do, but do as I say, but they always will do the opposite, right? They'll do what we do and not do what we say. And so that also comes up here, which is that ultimately people's actions leave a much greater impression than often in the things that they say. And so for all the things that Moshe said or all the ways that he sort of served as God's mouthpiece in the world, ultimately his actions were the were the moments that left the greatest impression or are supposed to leave the greatest impression on Am Yisrael. Right, and I think this, this connection, bringing it back to Bereshit, is that what empowered him, what gave him the strength to do all this, to do what he did. You know, I mean, can we imagine Yitziat Mitzrayim, Matan Torah, leading this uh, nation that was not an easy nation to lead all these years, you know, and then going to Paro and to all the servants and all Yisrael and all the Yad Chazakai, like, oh, what enabled him? Bereshit. It came, like, like don't, don't finish the pasuk there, Lene, call Yisrael, but how did he do all this? That's what this Fatimet, that's the acrobatics here that's so beautiful. Bereshit, he did it with Torah. Beautiful. Thank you, first of all, for, for this conversation. I guess I just wanted to end today's episode and say that this episode closes our series on Dvarim, but it also closes another Torah cycle. Each week, we have tried to bring a fresh, candid look on our most sacred, beloved, and familiar Torah texts through the prism of a specific commentator or central idea on the Parsha. These conversations have helped me look at Torah texts and ideas in a new light, and I pray that they have done the same for you. The Matan Parsha podcast series began with Shmot, so our personal cycle will come to initial completion at the end of the Book of Breshit. Our upcoming explorations of Rishit will focus on family dynamics in each of the Parshiot, moving, meaningful, and ever-relevant conversations with many new and some amazing returning guests. So stay tuned, and as always, remember to share these episodes with family and friends. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I'm Dr. Yosefa Fogel-Rubel, and this is One-on-One Women Talk Torah, a series brought to you by Matan Women's Institute for Torah Study. Please do one-on-one and women's Torah learning a small favor by sharing this podcast with family and friends so that we can reach new listeners. You can stream and download these episodes on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Matan's website. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review in the comments. Please send us any feedback at podcast at matan.org.il. That's podcast at matan.org.il. Thanks for listening, everyone.